On paper, you'd think this was going to be one hell of a train wreck. But then you listen, and you realize common sense doesn't have a party, an ideology, a stereotype, or a color. Can we be united again? Stick around, and we'll prove it. This is Doc in the Block. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Doc in the Block podcast. Today, I would normally be sitting with the world's greatest music producer, uh, Big Block Spencer, but he's traveling today. So filling in for him is my other good friend, because I only have two, Veron Haynes, former Super Bowl champion. Veron, how's it going? Well, Doc, thanks for having me on. I'm the less fortunate host. You know, uh, I don't have all the uh, accolades as, 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 as the block, but I'm here nonetheless. Yeah, you're you're not very an accomplished guy. Won Super Bowl, what a loser! <laughs> I'm super excited to have our guest today. Uh, I, no I'm doubt. actually pretty proud of myself too. Our guests have been amazing since we've been doing the Doc and the Block podcast, and I'm just amazed at how many awesome people I know. Well, kudos uh, to we, you, man. Like, I mean, yeah, man, you're I a good I'm person, out, man. Like, that's one of the lessons we teach, right? Is I can tell you what what your life is going to look like by the people you that's hang right. out with. So, show me your friends, you know. I am super excited today to introduce Danny Werfel, uh, NFL quarterback, Heisman Trophy winner, uh, all-around amazing guy, good, and I would say somebody I consider my friend today. Danny, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks to be with you. Looking forward to talk. Danny, good morning. So, good morning. First of all, you must know that I was your rival. You know, I played at Georgia, so this is a little bit, you know, kind of uncommon, but nonetheless... We're not in the landing. We're not. We're not. We're not in the mutual site anymore. So we're going to have fun today. <laughs> well, Ron, everyone asks me all the time, like, why in the world would I, as a Gator, choose to live in Atlanta? They're like, you know, you're going to get trouble from all the Bulldogs. And I just, I just have to remind them. At least when I was playing, we never had trouble from the Bulldogs. Oh, <laughs> oh I we might be okay. And but it starts with a the, low blow from Danny in the corner. Everybody, we got to break them up. We got to break them up. We got to go back to our respective corners. <laughs> it's funny. You guys immediately go into that. I was actually thinking about that this morning. Like, they had oh, man, our I number, gotta, dude. A gator, they like, had our numbers. Uh, hey, 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 Doc. Let me just tell you. In the 90s, and, and kudos to Danny, Steve Spurrier, Fred Taylor, all you guys that, that you had awesome on that team because you guys, the freak, Javon Curse and all you guys – down there, man. You right, Verdell Anthony. I mean, you guys had a squad. So kudos. I tip my hat where credit is due. Hey, well, the t- all right. Listen, I have to tell this one. My wife is a Gator, so uh, she's not exactly a sports fan, but you know, she's a Gator, and uh, she comes up to me when we were dating, I think, and she she's like, "Hey, um, do you know who? Uh, gosh, I'm blanking on his name right now. Who's?" One of the greatest running backs of all time, Dallas Cowboy Emmett Gator. Smith. Emmett Smith. She comes up to me. She's like, hey, do you know who Emmett Smith is? This while he's still playing, too. And I'm like, yes. And she's like, you know, I used to tutor him at the University of uh, Florida. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. And then another time she comes up to me and she goes, hey, Scott. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes, did you realize that the Florida Gators won that national championship in both basketball and football two years in a row? And I'm looking at her like, Yes like eight years ago, <laughs> like she, she figures it out, like, you know, almost a decade after it happened. And then she's springing it on me. Like it's new news. So anyway, <laughs> that stuff, Danny, um, 
our show is pretty much uh, targeted at middle school kids. You know, the block and I kind of think about what, what was it that makes us uh, successful, you know, in, in my life, the things that helped me out. And I used to say, or I still say, the thing that really helped me was just having a dad to kind of pick me up and tell me, listen, you know, didn't go your way today. Just dust yourself off, learn from the experience, keep moving forward. And everybody fails. You know, he used to tell me Pele misses penalty kicks too. It's just the way it goes, you know, Rest and, soul. and uh, you know, block would, talk, yeah. And block would talk about, um, you know, he, he was able to turn his, his life around late. I mean, he says the first time he ever had his own bed was when he was 17 years old and he went to prison. And he said his motivation was he did not want his kids to go through the things that he went through. And so he and I got to thinking about, you know, middle school is kind of that time when, you know, you, you, you can make some choices that are really going to set the course of your life. And the other thing we, we know, you know, is, you know, people who accomplish things in life is n- nobody has a smooth ride. You know, we all suffer. We all fail. We all have problems. We all have self-doubt. Um, and we all have to overcome. And it doesn't matter what your arena is. You know, if you're playing Little League ball and those are your peers, that's tough stuff. But, you know, you make it to the NFL, it's the same problems. It's just at a different level, you know, and you still have those same doubts and everything. So I want to know about your life. You know, we know, you know, Heisman Trophy and national champion and, you know, played in the NFL. And, uh, you know, you want you got to tell me about the Europe League. You, you won championships there. I mean, you're one of those guys that you look at and you're just like, man, that dude is just a winner. But you know, I know because I know people, it wasn't just a smooth ride. So tell me what it, what it looked like for Danny Warfel making, making uh, his accomplishments. I I appreciate you asking this question because, you know, I really believe that like, you know, in a football game, if you win the game, you, you do your film review, you get coached, but you usually don't learn near as much as if you lost a game. There's something about losing a game and the review and the, the critique really sticks. And, and, you know, for my life, there's a lot of things that you could look at that are really quite magical that, you know, very proud of and very thankful for. But when I look back, you know, and I'm, I'm 48, almost 49 now, by far the things that stand out as the most uh, sort of trajectory changing moments in my life were the tough ones. You know, um, we won a high school state championship, but it was the the loss to our rival my junior year where I threw an interception right before we went where I was crying in my car afterwards. You know, we 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 celebrate the national title at Florida, but we don't like to talk the year before that we lost to Nebraska. They crushed us. And it was a lot of things we learned from that that led to where we were. You know, I look at, you know, my own my own life and story. And, um, you know, I was, uh, we went through Hurricane Katrina. We lost everything we had, uh, both, you know, my wife and I in our home, but then also all the work that we were doing in the ninth ward of New Orleans was just, just amazingly damaged. Kids were spread out all over the country that we had to try to look for through Desire Street Ministries. And then, you know, uh, another one was about 10 years ago, a little more, I started to get paralyzed, had no idea what was going on. And I had a really weird autoimmune disorder called Guillain-Barre syndrome, where I literally was almost paralyzed for a few weeks. I was, uh, you know, couldn't move much for several months and then was tired for a year. And, you know, those are the experiences that that really began to, to shape me and, and adjust and, and change me much more than the, the success and the, the things that were easy. 
So when you were young, what, what were the kinds of things that motivated you and that kind of set you on the course so that you could be the kind of person who would lose the state championship by throwing in an interception one year, but then come back the next year and win? Like, how did that happen for you? Well, you know, I, I think I'd love to, I've got all sorts of ideas I've thought of over my life that sort of make me seem really cool and special, but more and more, I think it was the people around me, the, the environment that I grew up in, the, the support systems that I had. Uh, Who was those people? Parents, you know, you know, clearly starting with my parents. I was very fortunate to have just two amazing uh, parents, a, a mom and a dad. I had different coaches uh, along the way. I had different, you know, youth group leaders, um, uh, family members, aunts, you know, just a, a wide network of folks that were, were stabilizing and growing and challenging me. And, you know, part of what my whole life's work is through Desire Street Ministries is recognizing that, uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of kids don't have the, the same structures of support and how can we provide that for, yeah. for them as well? So I'm just feeling, feeling really blessed. You know, I, I definitely know through my family and then personally, my faith has been a, a very anchoring piece of my life. And, you know, as I think about myself in middle school and, and I have a daughter in middle school, two boys that just kind of one in high school, one in college. And, you know, I think all of us from any age, a, a deep question of all, how do we make our decisions? What do we think about life? How do we react? Comes down to our identity, like the deep sense of who am I? Who is Danny? Who is Veron? Who is Scott? And not so much like Danny, the football player, or Scott, the doctor, or the student, but like underneath all that, who am I and what's my purpose? Why do I exist? And I think, you know, middle school is a really, really weird time to start figuring out your identity. And, you know, you, you give so much power to what other people think of you. Did that girl roll her eyes when I looked at her? Did that guy tease me when I said something? And to me, kind of locking in to your identity and, and having a sense of worth that's bigger and stronger than who what you do is so important. But again, it's really hard to develop that as such a young person. And so, um, you know, those are the questions I'm asking my kids that I'm asking other folks is, you know, where do you get your identity? What What is your worth? And is it really tied into what some other kid thinks? Or perhaps were you created by the God of the universe that, that thinks you're absolutely amazing? And who cares what that other kid with with pimples and uh it's teasing you thinks you're, you're amazing so that that right. that's the identity piece i think is so key that's so yeah. profound that you said that because you know um oftentimes i think one of the struggles that nfl and successful people they get caught up in is letting what they do define them right and they think and we have a big i know in the nfl i can speak for myself what i saw was that's the problem. That's the problem that gets people in trouble whenever they transition yes. and they leave. Right? They think what they do is who they are. That has nothing, no bearings on who you are. Hopefully, you're a God fearing man. Hopefully, you're a good father. Hopefully, you're uh, a good citizen. Right? And 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 a child. Uh, your your brother. Your 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 uncle. All these other things, accolades that is make up who the composition of who you really are. But which takes me to back to that same question. Did you do, what would you say you did as a 
in middle school, right? As for me, I wrote it down, my goals and everything. What would you say is was was a key element to kind of seeing that vision and going through that that growing pains, right? What did you do special to make that happen? Yeah, yeah. no, well, so one, I think we already hit on it, this idea of um, if you don't have uh, right away access to, to people that you think, you know, the, the, the friends that you're hanging out with, but also sort of the, the mentor aspect. I think being intentional about finding somebody older than you that you think is, 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 a, is a solid, safe, dependable person that can sort of guide you along your journey. I think that is a key thing, you know, always having a mentor in your life. And if you don't have one seeking one, looking for one, uh, being proactive about it. You know, if you're playing on a team and you respect your coach, you know, ask if you can go to lunch sometime and just start asking them questions about life, you know, other than just how do I shoot free throws or how do I run faster? But, you know, what's it like to be a dad? What's it like to, to, to be married, you know, and, and really being proactive on that. I like what you said about goals. I remember uh, being in ninth grade, which for me, it was actually junior high. So it was still middle school ish. And, uh, you know, I had a couple of them, but one of my goals, uh, that I had written down actually was I wanted to get a college scholarship. That was, that was a goal, but I actually didn't even know at the time if it would be in football or basketball. Cause I really liked basketball more in ninth grade, but I right. knew that that was, that was something that, that was important to, to me. And, um, so just really, really pushed at that. And even, even to this day, as we all know, kind of do writing down the goals, I think is a very very important key. Um, so th- those two things. You know, one of the things I think about when I review my life, like where, where, where were the moments that, uh, you know, allowed me to be successful at things. And a lot of times I think it's God made me the most average person, you know, and it's like, we often look at, you know, Muhammad Ali and Michael Jordan and, you know, Messi. you know, there's these people, they're just, they're just different. You know, God bless those people, but there's 7 billion people on this planet. Nobody's going to be those people. You know what I mean? Most of us are just regular people. And, you know, I'm like every other kid. I wanted to be, you know, I wanted to be a pro athlete and, you know, it didn't happen for me, but I, I wasn't super fast. I wasn't super big. I wasn't super strong and I wasn't super quick, but, you know, I played high school football and I was a starting linebacker for our high school team. We played in the, in the state championship, we lost, but, you know, to me, football was kind of my secondary sport. I was mostly a soccer player. I went to UCLA. It was the number one team in the nation at the time. And I was on that team, but I was really, you know, I was not uh, physically able to hang with those guys. And I remember just feeling like when I go to practice, I have to be 100% just to look like I belong here all the time. So every drill I was, you know, it was everything I had. And it was just, kind of doing this my whole life. I remember one time I was with my college rugby coach. We were walking down somewhere at some tournament and my high school football coach was there and they knew each other. They played with each other uh, in the NFL and all that. And so I remember my high school football coach looks at my college rugby coach and he says, I see you've met the greatest overachiever (laughs) athlete of all time. And it really stuck with me. It's like, it was kind of a dig but at the same time, it was the ultimate compliment because when I look back on my life, it's like I literally took what God gave me um, as far as I could. You know, I did the most with it. And it's a source of pride for me now. 
And then when my pro athlete career fell through, then it's like, well, what am I going to do now? And it was like, I wanted to still be connected to sports. And that's why I started going into sports medicine. And what I realized was all of those same characteristics of working hard, you know, having courage, right? You know, you do things when you're nervous, but you learn how to deal with it. I'm teaching my daughter that right now that, you know, nowadays anxiety is like a disease or something. And I'm telling her anxiety is normal. We all have it. You have to learn to, you know, play with anxiety. And I realized when I was in medical school and things, I had an advantage over a lot of these people that didn't have these things. You know, so we had the big test. I was able to calm myself and I was able to, you know, fail at one test, but come back and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, this concept, I know you guys have all heard it. Oh, you're so lucky. And to me, one of the greatest phrases is luck is where preparation meets opportunity. You know, you prepare, you prepare, you prepare, and God may close that door. You know, it's not, you're not going to be a pro soccer player, but here's something else you could do. And if you just take those same characteristics and work at it, um, you know, you can, you'll be successful somewhere. And that's what my father used to tell me is, you know, winners, just keep your head down, keep working and keep achieving goals. And like Veron says, it's not a goal until you write it down and you got to keep making progress for it. And eventually good thing. And this is what my father told me, good things always come to people who work hard. And that is absolutely the truth. Now, Danny, when, when I look at you, when anybody looks at you, you're not like six, five, two fifty, you know, four, one forty, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and yet Heisman Trophy winner played in the NFL. Talk to me about that, because that had to be a similar type issue that that I experienced where, you know, you're not the biggest person on the planet, but you played big. Tell me about that. Yeah, I remember I, I threw I think it was the Alabama game one year where I threw six touchdowns. And in the postgame interview, they asked Coach Spurrier, they're like, yeah, uh, what's it like to coach such a, a talented athlete? And he said, well, Danny's not really talented. He's just highly coachable. And, uh, I, I actually remember and, that. I actually remember that. Yep. So, um, you got to love Steve. Because my high school senior year of high school was the last year that I actually had the strongest arm on a team where I was playing. So all through college, there was one or two or sometimes three quarterbacks that had stronger arms than me. There was always people that, that were faster. Um, I think, you know, I was gifted in different areas. I was attentive, very accurate and, you know, sort of the anticipation and kind of processing information. And I just also was just a really a great fit to be with Steve Spurrier. I think had I played for another coach, it, it would not have been the same for me. So I'm very, very grateful for him. You know, i I've always uh, felt like, you know, we, we part of our whole world and competition is based on comparing and scoring and our, my score versus your score and who wins and who doesn't. But comparison also is, is a pretty uh, tricky road, too, because, you know, like you said, I think everybody's got different levels of abilities and talent. And I think at the end of the day, you know, I love the phrase. Uh, it's not really God, I don't think, is so much concerned about being successful, but about being faithful. Uh, is this idea of, of yes. what what do I do with whether I have 10 talents, five talents, or two talents, whatever God's giving yeah. me, how do I, how do I maximize that? Yeah. How do I become the best person um, that I can be? And I think, you know, the, the beauty... I really believe that everybody's has unique talents and gifts and personalities. And, you know, one of the ways where I do feel fortunate, I think some people have a little more margin and space and opportunity to figure out 
where where they're good and what they're good at and then have an opportunity to develop it. You know, a lot of the kids that that we work with sometimes are just so often it's kind of stuck in trying to a survival mode and and there's so much much uh, dynamics happening that it's it's not a it's not really an exploratory life to kind of find and so that's why I think creating space and margin and, and, and stability for people to find what it is what it is you love what are you good at what do you like what does the world need um, and then and then just being the best that you can be and you know you you might be the Heisman Trophy winner of sales. Maybe the Heisman Trophy winner of, of orthopedic surgery, um, or you may find a different route, or you may you may just be really good at what you do and 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 contribute to the world and your family. So, I think uh, the comparison thing is tough, but being the best you can be and being faithful is is the key. So that, that, that's interesting that you say that because um, you know you have to just keep working in this life to figure out what it is. God put something special in all of us. And sometimes it's really hard to find what it is. And my advice to people would be just keep working, find things that you enjoy doing, keep doing the right thing, treat people properly. You know, we talk about on this show all the time, honesty, integrity, accountability, being a good uh, teammate. And the, the concept of no excuses, like, you know, things don't work out for you. Oh, it's because I'm not this or I'm not that or it's my race or it's my gender or whatever. And the real winners don't let anybody hold me back. Even if there was somebody who was in my way, you need to figure out a way around them. And when I look back on my life, it's like athletically, nothing special and academically, nothing special. I mean, I got a 1080 on my uh, SAT scores the first time I took it, you know, and I just I had a reading disability and I always was embarrassed about I'm a dumb person, you know, and I had insecurities about that kind of stuff. And I used to say to myself when I was a kid, like, I need to be something like a doctor when I grow up so that I get some automatic street <laughs> so that when I show people how dumb I am, they'll go like, well, he's a doctor, so he can't be as dumb as he looks <laughs> like he is. And I mean, that was something that was really in my mind at yeah. the time. And then, you know, I kept pushing and I had, I was fortunate to come across with a woman who recognized that I had a reading disability and she kind of taught me and showed me the way forward. And then I go to medical school and I graduate at the top of my class, but it was because I had these insecurities and, and all of these things and I worked hard and I had that work ethic and that feeling of in order for me to not stand out as a loser in practice, I got to be at a hundred percent. You know what I mean? And so it kind of trained me to have this mentality of when you do something, do it at a hundred percent. And it's something that kind of became my character. I mean, when people describe me, it's like that dude is, he walks fast, you know, he's always doing a hundred percent. And it's like, comes from, it comes from really an area of insecurity. And, um, you know, I, I feel like when I see, you know, obviously you're so much more accomplished than I am. And I'm, you know, but it's just, when I look at other NFL quarterbacks, you know, I used to say to myself when I was with the Raiders, you know, and you'd see these guys like, man, these guys look like the defensive linemen on my you know, on my high school and college football teams and they're playing quarterback in the NFL and you're kind of what I would consider a more normal sized person. And I think what you accomplished with your size and everything is really uh, like something to be behold. And, uh, you know, it's like when talking to you, you almost kind of don't even seem to think of it as a thing. I mean, was that something that you noticed or were you just of the mindset that like you have talent and you're just going to go for it? Yeah, I mean, I always recognized pretty quickly that uh, I just wasn't throwing the ball as hard as others. And it was really interesting to me because in in the kind of strength, conditioning, weight room, explosive power stuff, I was 
could work really hard and was really strong, stronger than a lot of the guys. But throwing is mm-hmm. a little bit, it's like hitting a golf ball. You know, you, you do it with yeah. the right technique. It just, it's like a rocket and you could be strong <laughs> as an ox and, and I not hit it very far. And I just never, never from the early age, I didn't play baseball. I didn't get taught how to pitch. So I just had some, some unfortunate mechanical deficiencies that never got cleaned up. And it's interesting because now sports science has gone to where I, yeah. I, I could find 10 guys on YouTube right now that if I had known 20 years ago, I probably would have uh, been throwing at a much higher volume and velocity and efficiency, but just didn't know it. So I always compare myself to like, uh, if you know how golf works, if, if you have a really a bad slice, it's kind of a weak shot. It doesn't go as far. But I figured out how to play it really well and just kind of stuck with that. And it, it, with it, you. Worked, and it worked. Um, yeah. But me and Veron spent a lot of time throwing clubs <laughs> down the uh, golf course. <laughs> Wonder why we can't so, hit the ball. <laughs> so, I mean, I always just – I just love to compete. And, um, you know, I, I definitely had some insecurities around that uh, at different times. And, um, you know, work – tremendously hard in fact you've seen the inside of my shoulder now i've got so much arthritis in yeah. there i can't do anything it's because yeah. i probably threw i am i'm sure yeah. this kind of reminds me of you a little bit uh doc that when i was kind of toward the ends of my college for the next seven years so kind of in that 90 probably five to 2002 or 2003 or maybe even longer i guarantee you i threw more footballs than anybody on the planet yeah, because I was yeah. trying to work through some of those. I just didn't have the best knowledge uh, of of how to do it. But I, I mean, I would throw hundreds of passes every day at as high velocity as you could, which is a terrible regimen for shoulder care. But you know, when you're when you're 25, you don't know that. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, so you know, I worked really hard. I think I, I did got the best I could uh, with with what I had and. Again, I also was very fortunate to be in some amazing places with great coaches and players. And one other thing I wanted to mention, you know, anxiety is on the rise uh, tremendously with everybody, especially younger people. And I think even girls are struggling more, statistics say. But one of the things that we're working with our leaders on is in the brain, uh, there's a, you know, if if you focus and, and intentionally take some time to focus on gratitude. Like, what are you thankful for? And I think writing it down, um, from what I've learned, the, the part of your brain that focuses on gratitude and the part of your brain that focuses on anxiety can't exist at the same moment. So, like, in some yeah. ways, you can't stop being anxious. But if you focus on what you're grateful for, even no matter what it is, the more time you do that, the the, the better your anxiety levels will stay under control because they just, the way the brain's wired. Yeah. And gratitude is something that's really great for the soul. I mean, uh, you know, I try to teach my kids because it's what I've experienced in life is that the best way to get things in life is to just be a giver, you know? And my, my mom used to teach me that it's like, just be a giver when you go out there. And it's like, you know, when you show up, when you show up on a, on a team, you know, what can you get? Well, you can give encouragement, you know, you yeah. can give support. You can give um, compliments. You know, I was very proud of my daughter. She was at a she was at a horse show a couple of weeks ago. I was with her. Normally, her mother goes because kind of a mother daughter thing. But we had to switch it up because my other daughter had a singing thing. So my wife went to that. I took my daughter to the horse show, and this is the competition she's in. It's called IEAE, and they have different horses. So 
uh, when you get the, you basically you draw a horse and sometimes you draw a good horse and sometimes you draw a bad horse. And my daughter's really good. I mean, she won the world championships a while back. I mean, she's really talented. So she goes out there, she gets this terrible horse. Nobody in the show can ride this thing. My daughter goes out and she did, you know, what I would consider to be better than anybody else trying to manage this horse. And she ended up getting a fourth place. And uh, I went up to her and I could just see how physiologically she was red and just there was a rage in her, a disappointment and all this stuff. But she even though, you know, she couldn't control the way her body was reacting with the red face and all that kind of stuff, she was still complimenting her friends and congratulating other people and everything like that. And I pulled her aside afterward. I said, you know, I was very proud of you. I know that emotionally on the inside, you were, you know, you're dying on the inside, but you still did the right things on the outside. And I'm like, in the end, that's going to give you, you know, people are going to recognize that you're that kind of a person and doors will open for you because people are attracted to generous people and kind people and giving people. And then that's when things start just kind of coming back to you. Absolutely. Absolutely. I had, my mom had a saying, you know, uh, it's like when you're standing there and you, you, you have a closed hand and you're not giving, how do you, how on earth do you re- expect to receive? Give yeah. with openly and it'll come right back. And don't, don't give with the, with the assumption that you want to get something back, but exactly, just yeah. give, right? Um, Danny, shifting gears real quick. I want to know, cause some of these, kids that are going to resonate, this is going to resonate with, is going to be less fortunate kids, right? So some of the, 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 now we're, 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 we're going to pivot a little bit and we're going to talk about some of the boundaries that you had to set up, right? And, 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 and the, the, the structure of what does that look like now? Okay. I wrote my goals down, by the way, um, Emmett Smith said that, Scott, not me. I just read a book in high school that Emmett, it's only a dream until you write it down, then it becomes a goal. He was one of my idols. So that's, uh, that's, no that, man, that, perfect that's, that's example Emmett. of that's, mentorship. That's, that's Emmett. Um, but, um, now we wrote our goals down. Now we're coming out of this jump. Tell me some of the structures, the boundaries that we have to implement in order to achieve the next step, yeah. right? Take well, us through that. Yeah, I mean, well, the, the, the challenge is um, for, for every person, there are so many kind of detours that don't look like detours, but when you take them, they, they take you totally away from where you want to go. Um, mm. And, you know, I mean, I, I can remember probably the best running back we had at Florida. And, you know, you, you already named a few of the ones that were pretty special that went on to incredible careers in the NFL. But some would say so this other kid was more talented. Uh, he was there for a year and a half. And then because of some of the decisions he made off the field, namely different type of drug type of situations, he got kicked off the team. And you, you've never, never heard his name. You know, I think there's a lot of people that have dreams athletically. Uh, but they don't pri- prioritize at all their academics. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. they end up being an incredibly talented person that can't pass the test, can't get into the right school type of thing. Um, so that that's an, another one that, that comes up uh, that you can see as a detour. And, and so a lot of these things come down to, and, and it was already mentioned earlier, is who are your people? Like who's your group? Who are you mm. going to be around? And I think one of the hardest things – for anybody 
but especially my my sense of when when you have a, a, a group of of young folks that have sort of banded together in an under-resourced neighborhood, it's really hard for somebody when 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 the group's gonna take a detour for you mm-hmm. not to be with them. Like the, the pressure, right. the pressure is That's so right. strong. In fact, it's so strong that many guys that do make it to the NFL get pulled back into those detours with their friends yep. and it's it's crushing. And so it's like I, I have a lot of empathy and and it's I don't say it trivially, but you know, bad company corrupts good character and you, mm. you are gonna be people who you're around and so you may have to make some really difficult decisions yep. about who you're going to be around who you're going to do life with um and and that that's tough but th- those are a few things that come to mind Veron. absolutely absolutely you know, i couldn't agree uh, with you more you look at i mean and and this is stuff you could google bam bam morris right i mean we i honestly i wasn't the most talented on my football team uh, the Steelers didn't even come to, to to draft me. They came for the other running back. Uh, but it just so happened that I did well that day, and he got kicked off the team, right? He was in the doghouse, like you said, right? So that's kind of similar to what you were saying. And so the choices that you make and the people that you surround yourself with has to be selective, guys. I, I, I really need you guys to get that because – you know, oftentimes we go through life and yeah, you're buddy, but at, at a certain point you outgrow people, right? So you gotta, you, you gotta, you, know, Veron- you gotta keep on reminding these kids about that, and and, and I, that's so important. Go ahead, Scott. Sorry. Yeah, Veron, I was just gonna say, you know, you can have all the talent in the world, but it's nothing without the hard work. You yep. know, and Danny was talking about it. You see these guys with the best bodies in the world, but they don't do anything with it because they don't put the effort in and they don't do the other things. And, uh, you know, for me, I remember they I'm not going to say his name, but there was a wide receiver on the Raiders back in the day when I was was one of the team docs. And I mean, this guy had a body that was like you know, six, thirty five, <laughs> not one fat cell on his body was lightning fast. I mean, his vertical was like ridiculous. And then you have Jerry Rice who you look at and you're like, he looks like a regular guy. He's like six one. And, you know, I don't, he probably was 200 pounds and, you know, I mean, he was an athlete, but compared to the other guys and what was the difference? Jerry Rice was already the greatest wide receiver in the history of the NFL, but he practiced like he was the worst one. He was the first guy there, the last guy to leave. Nobody wanted to train with him. It was like, Oh, it's too hard. He, the stuff he does, it's like, I don't want to do that. And then this other guy with a fantastic body, even if I said his name right now, most people would be like, I never heard of that guy. And it's like, that's the point. It's like you have a guy with a lesser body, but he's got a different kind of work ethic, a different kind of mentality. He's the greatest guy ever. And then you have the other guy with a great body, but he didn't do the things you needed to do to be successful. You know, the other thing we were talking about is mentorship. You know, how do you be successful in life? Well, go find somebody who's already done it and do what they do. And you know, I was reading a book called Strong Father, Strong Daughters, because I had two girls. And so when they were young, I, I came across this book and it was written by a doctor who's a female and she's a psychologist. And she basically made this statement that seems kind of simplistic, but I don't think we think about it a lot. It's like, you know, you hear a lot of these comments these days, like if it feels good, do it or just do what makes you happy. And the thing is, no, don't do what makes you happy. Right. Laying around watching Uncommon. TV. 
yep. uh, eating potato chips yep. and uh, taking naps, you know, having unprotected sex and things like that. There are all these different things that may feel good in the moment, but that is not the secret to success. A lot of times, and most of the time, it's kind of delayed gratification. You know, nobody wants to get up early and work hard. I mean, I've grown to love it, but I'm just saying, you know, working out and being disciplined and eating properly and not having donuts, you know, and and uh, taking care of your body and, you know, not not putting things into your body that may feel good at the moment. But in the end, all of these things kind of add up. And if you always do what feels good, you're going to be a miserable person. Absolutely. Uh, the, the other thing is, um, you know, I came to faith late in life. And it's like when I when I looked at um, when I was growing up, you know, we had these kind of hustlers on TV, Jimmy Swagger and these kind of Christian hustlers that I was just kind of like, man, they're just, you know, using the word to, to try and manipulate people. And I had this sort of attitude that there was like this negative connotation with it. And then when I became a doctor, I remember I was interviewing to get into medical school and they, the doctor, the, the guy who was interviewing me, he asked me about faith. And I said something like, you know, well, you know, it's just out of college, you know, and I'm like, eh, you know, religion is responsible for all the wars and this and that. And then he goes, well, that's one way to look at it. But when my son, my grown son was killed in a fire, I don't know that I could have survived that if I didn't have my faith. And I just remember thinking to myself, why in the world would you talk about religion in an interview, you know, like especially negatively? Fortunately, he didn't hold it against me. I got into medical school. And then as I started to grow and learn and observe, I started to see like, first of all, there are people that are really dealing with some bad stuff. I look at my kids and I say, listen, there are people out there who are suffering ways you can't even imagine. You have nothing to complain about ever. And that doesn't mean you're not going to be sad and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, you're blessed and you need to know that. The other thing I observed is that people who have faith are strong. They're able to endure a lot. They're happy. And so it got me, you know, sort of reinterested in learning. So I, I read the Bible and I started to study. And not only did I convince myself, you know, reading C.S. Lewis and other things, not only did I convince myself that, you know, Jesus Christ did walk this earth and his disciples witnessed, you know, the, the, the birth, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's why they endured horrible things uh, and that this is real. And man, that has given me more peace than anything else I can ever imagine, which is kind of the, the important thing, you know, your faith there. And I, I wake up every morning and I tell God, um, what's, what is it you want for me? You know, you mentioned it, Danny, too, right? It's being faithful is what matters. And, you know, it's very easy, especially when you're accomplishing things. It's very, by the end of the week, it's like, well, it's, now it's all about me. What about me? What about me? And then on Sunday, it's like, it ain't about you, you know? And that has really given me a lot of happiness and a lot of peace. And we actually just had somebody on the show who apologized, like, oh, I didn't mean to mention faith. And I'm like, no, that's something that this world needs. And Danny, you have, you know, you're known for your faith. Share with me, or share with this uh, audience, you know, how that has impacted your life. Man, well, I think, you know, that human beings are interesting in that uh, if there's meaning and purpose in something, humans can endure incredible suffering it's unbelievable if there's a, a deeper meaning and purpose and without a deeper meaning and purpose like we can stumble and fall over the simplest silliest things and get all bent out of shape so to me where do we fit in the larger story of what's happening in the world and ultimately in the universe and perhaps across eternity is an important question to sort of 
ask yourself and see where you fit in because the the this, the story that you're in the narrative in which you find yourself determines everything it was a quick story the other night uh you know it's, it's not even so much what happens to you it's the story you're you're telling yourself so the other night what seemed to me to be like the middle of the night and and we had just had in our neighborhood there was a, a couple shootings and the few days before someone went down our street and smashed out a bunch of the, the car windows, including two of ours. And so everyone's a little bit on edge. And all of a sudden we heard this noise on our roof and flashlights were shooting into, into our, the backyard windows on our second floor. Oh my goodness. So I jump up, you know, I, I grab the things that I consider are weapons, but actually it was funny because I, I, I got these things that I'd be throwing and I realized, wait a minute, I can't throw anymore with my right hand. <laughs> so uh, this may not go well, and literally the light, and then all of a sudden it sounded it sounded like bears, literally, or like a SWAT team was on our roof. I'm like, what the heck? And my wife runs, the dogs are going nuts. Well, what I had forgotten was that my wife had mentioned tomorrow morning uh, the roofers are coming. We're doing a full roof repair. <laughs> well, and it was six thirty, so it wasn't it wasn't like, but to me it was dark and it was still three thirty. Yeah. So like, the story made sense, right? And then like, oh, and the rest of the day it's like like there's a SWAT team on our roof, but we never our dogs quit barking because we knew it was okay. <laughs> so all that kind of to say, I think when you're going through life, um, if there is a God. If God created this, and if God actually cares about us and actually loves us individually and actually has gone out of his way to, to, to suffer so we could be with him, and this like that's a profound truth. And if it's a true story, every other story is a small story. Like everything we're going through yeah. is not yeah. a big deal, especially in middle school. Like we, we Amen. story of the problem is. Most of us have our egos are fragile where we want to be like the main character in a terribly small story. And instead we get to be like a supporting character in the greatest story ever told. Yes. And that shapes everything. So that's just a, a subtle way of, of framing how I see my faith working out in my life and how it can impact all of us. Uh, and to your point, like when we're going through something, we think it's the end of the world. It's the biggest. Then you get to another yep. challenge, right? And it's like, I didn't think I was going to, you look back, I didn't think I was going to make it through that. You just got to stay faithful, stay dedicated, stay stay humble. If I I think Mike, well, it was uh, Coach, Coach, Coach Cower used to say it. Hey, you're not, you're never as good as you think you are, right? You're not as good as you think you are, but you're not as bad as they say you are. If you can find like a common <laughs> ground right there and stay in the middle, we'll be all, we'll be all right. So, <laughs> you know how I would say that? Like, actually, that's, he may not even sense this, but one of my favorite s small statements to summarize the entire gospel, the entire Bible is, we are way worse than we think we are, like way worse. But God loves us way more than we could ever imagine. Oh, man. Love Come that. on. Yep. You know, it's funny. I've gotten to that age where I, I now realize, like, other than your mom, nobody really cares what your personal accomplishments <laughs> are. You know, even Alexander the Great. It's like, so what? You know, and I, I was playing golf with Ron a couple months ago. And I remember I just was thinking, like, I'm looking at him. I was like, man, that dude won the Super Bowl. Like, how many people on earth do that? And I was like, hey, Veron, you ever wake up and just 
think to yourself, man, I won the Super Bowl. He looks at me. He's like, <laughs> he's like, man, that's been there, done that. It's over. He's like, I'm on to the next thing. And it's really, you know, he and I laugh a lot about stuff and everything, but it, it really kind of belies a more important point. You know, like when I look at Danny Werfel now and all the work that you're doing through your charities and things like that, maybe God just made you the Heisman Trophy winner and an NFL football star and all that stuff just to give you a platform Amen. to be able to do his yep. work now. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? That's kind oh, yeah. of the thing. It's like, uh, and that's the way I look at it too. It's like, um, I have a lady, it's a long story. Maybe I'll share it on the show one time, but she's got a big problems from another state. She can't get any help. So she finds me on the internet through some chat group and she reaches out to me. Will you help me? And I'm like, yeah, I'll help you. And my wife is like, why are you doing this? And I looked at her and I was like, because I can, I mean, I have the experience, I have the, the ability and God put this person in front of me. And so it's a tough problem and it's going to be difficult and it's going to, you know, it's going to be painful for me as a physician for a lot of reasons. And I'm like, but that's why I'm here. That's why this happened. And kind of seeing the world that way, that it's not about you. It's what God wants for you, you know. And um, I found the more that I can make decisions from that point of view, the better things work out for my life. You know what I mean? And, um, you know, just I keep telling my kids over and over the best ability you have in life is to be able to give to others. And I tell them, as you grow, your first responsibility is learn to take care of yourself. Then, if possible, be strong enough so that you have enough left over to help other people. And that's the way we make a better world. And don't worry about all this stuff that's going around. The other thing, too, is, and this is really important, especially for a lot of our audience, whatever you're going through right now, it's not yep. going to be forever. You know what I mean? Yep. The good times and the bad times, yep. they all pass. You know, keep your head down, work hard, honesty, accountability. Uh, be a good teammate, you know, integrity, do what you Gratitude, say you're going to do. Resilience, all of that. It's, I mean, we could, it's outstanding, Doc. It's outstanding that you mentioned that. But uh, to your point, Doc, like you were saying, I think gratitude is big, right? We we hit on it. That was that was big. That we that I heard. I heard uh, giving back, right? That's always that's always important to be to to to, to leave in a legacy because one. What you do for yourself, it dies with you. But what you do for others, people, it lives on, right? So one of the coolest things that I've ever had happen to me, if this has ever happened to you guys, is like I got to the to the drive through line in Starbucks and somebody had paid, right? And I was like, how did that make – like that made my day. I'm like, what? I was ready. I, so yeah. now I oftentimes I get to Chick-fil-A or whatever and I do that and – I, and and it's not about the money. It's just that person. I don't know what that person's going through, but hopefully, you know, yeah. you paid it for it, and it's a chain of success. And that, you know, that just makes my heart smile whenever I uh, I think about it, even to this day. Right? Yeah, it's the little things in life that often uh, make make a big difference. And uh, you know, you don't everything you do doesn't have to be uh, changing the world kind of thing. It's just gratitude in your your own little circle and trying to be that positive person people are attracted to that and that's what changes the world you know just making a habit out of doing these yep. things yep yep great points great points guys great point so danny what's what's going on with desire street ministries this is uh your um your nonprofit. Yeah, absolutely. So we work with leaders that live and serve in under-resourced neighborhoods all over the southeast 
you know, we found that in, in all the different places, there's usually somebody there already that's very talented, that has vision, that has credibility, but just hasn't had the support, the training, the resources to really see change in the neighborhood. And, you know, uh, a lot of people from every different cultural background or political party have a lot of different opinions about how we got to certain places or what, but everyone agrees that having amazing leaders in neighborhoods, developing young people is part of the solution. And that's what we do at Desire Street. And um, we're in the middle of a five-year plan to develop 20 neighborhoods by 2025. Right. And uh, and so we're just really, really excited and, and proud about that. So take me through that, then. Like, you go into, like, how would we, like, get on board? How would somebody that's listening reach out to you? Take us through all that. Like, Man, well, I'd love to have lunch with you and tell you uh, the whole story in longer ways. People can go Please. to desiredstreet.org to learn more about what we do. And then, you know, for people, if they live in Atlanta, we have several different uh, ministries in and around Atlanta and Bankhead, Grove Park, English Avenue, Pittsburgh neighborhood. Um, and then we work with the leaders and then they're doing different programs in the community. It might be after school programs. We've got some people that are building and helping people get into housing. We've got some medical clinics, a, a school, an actual school uh, and a church that, that we've helped uh, develop. So those are the things we do at Desire Street, but desirestreet.org is the best way for people to to get involved. And uh, and then we do a golf tournament fundraiser. It's Florida Georgia week. Maybe you'll come join us next year. <laughs> I'd uh, love to be. Lo- I'd love, love to, to do it. 100%. Love to do it, brother. Count, count me in. Danny Varon. So, Veron, thanks so much for filling in for uh, Block. Danny, thanks so much for being a part of the Doc and the Block podcast. It was absolutely awesome. We're going to have you back. We definitely want to get uh, together with Desire Street and uh, Big Timers Foundation and do some great things together. Uh, we are going to go have lunch. I want to hear all about it. Everybody, thanks for being a part of the show today. Find us at docandtheblock.com to see what's going on. Uh, we'll catch you guys next week. Danny, thank you so much. Man, Veron, everyone, have a great, have a great week. week. Be blessed. 